Ay, there ain't no time like the present. Go grilly just to match the Gordonellis. Welcome to Unsigned Hype episode 12. On this episode, I have the pleasure to talk to the incredible artist Malik Elijah from Taunton, Massachusetts. Prior to her interview, I asked Malik which song he would play for someone that wasn't familiar with his music yet. Malik chose his song Lighter Flick, and if you're not familiar with Malik Elijah's music yet, here's a snippet of that song before we jump into the interview. My mind truly my only weapon. in the bushes, wanna see me breakfast. This is Unsigned Hype. The song you just heard is called Lighter Flick by Malik Elijah, who's joining us from Taunton today. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome you to the show. Malik, why is Lighter Flick the song you would play for someone that has never heard your music before? Well, first off, it's like probably like my it is one of my newest like ventures of like how I'm exploring my music right now. This is like the first time I've released something like recording in that type of style. And plus, like, it's overall just a fun song. I enjoyed making it when I made it. And I wanted people to like feel that happiness that I had as I recorded it. Plus, like, it just like reflects like just another stamp upon who I am. I'm a big advocator for the cannabis community. And I love like making songs for people who are part of the cannabis community. So that's just like sharing something of myself, but also like, a record that even if people that don't smoke weed, like they could still like have fun, like listening to that record. So it was just something that me and my team came together and we was just like, yo, like this is catchy. People can catch on to it easily. And yeah, it's just fun. So yeah. would you say that it's in, in your own words, would you say it's sonically very different from the stuff that you usually did? And if yes, how so? I would say, I would say that it's, it's different, but it still is me. Like, at the end of the day, like, the only way that I can make music is being myself. So, like, I don't really look at it that way. I will say, like, it's differently sonically because, like, me and my engineer, Kurt, like, we're trying to get to a certain type of quality and expanding from, like, where we had first started when he had mixed my record Don't Play to, like, now I feel like it's, like, leaps and bounds, like, at least sonically. So we're really trying to push just, like, not really say like do something different, but just like expand from where we started to like building it better off more. And plus, like since I chose different production than I feel like I usually would, then that's also like an, an expansion on the on the sound as well. You mentioned it yourself. Lighter Flick is your newest release. It came out a few weeks ago. It's currently October 2023 and you've recently released it. Um I, I'd like to take the opportunity to, to go back in time a little bit to 2017, where you released your, I think for you, the, the first project that made you take rap seriously was Critters by the Window. Damn. <laughs> and there's a song on there called King of the Critters. When that song starts, you kind of talk over the beat and you say, I just want to know why am I so overlooked and people are not really fucking with me and they're always fucking with everyone else. With that statement in mind, I'd like to hear from you six years, seven years later. How do you feel about that today? Like, where do you feel like you stand today? I still, for me, obviously, like, I'm still like a low level artist. So I do still feel like overlooked, but that's just how it is. I will say I'm in a way better position than I was six years ago. Like, I'm not doing the same things that I was in 2017 that I'm doing, like, now. Like, even when I listen back 
Like, even, like, listening back to Critters by the Window, I haven't played it in a while. I should check it out just to see, like, how far I've came, though. Thank you for reminding me for that. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't thought about that project in forever. But I will say, like, obviously people are overlooking me because, like, in my personal opinion, like, looking back, I wasn't making music that people could really, like, listen to. And, like, like the, the, the quality wasn't there yet. And just, like, certain, like, little things that I still had to develop to, like, really get there. Now I can confidently say that I know I do make a higher quality sound of music. I feel like I make music that can 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 that people can shed light on if they would if they like to and people could live with the music that I'm making. Obviously I'm not anywhere where I would like to be, but I'm definitely not where I was when I made Critters by the Window. <laughs> but but, so, but how do you measure that? Especially the 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 thing that you said I thought was really interesting, the quality. How do you measure the change in quality how do you know today that the music is quality wise so much better than it was back then i feel like i don't know me as a person like i am a student of like how because i also have an audio engineering degree i'm also just a student of just rap music in general like i study all different sounds study like mixes and i'm very comparable like i like to not in the sense of compare my music to somebody else's but i do compare my sound like quality quality sound compared to like mainstream artists and to hear how my mixes were when I first started and to hear the mixes now and to like just go through like Spotify or Apple Music and like play my song compared to somebody else's and feel that it's at least close enough then that's that's how I see that my quality has improved something I, I want to stick with for just for one more second is this idea of being overlooked Can you describe how that feeling was given to you? Like, what did people do to give you that, just by not reacting to the music that you posted, or? Yeah, not reacting to music I posted, feeling excluded from certain things at times, when, like, I knew, feeling excluded, oh, man, how can I say this? Feeling excluded at times when, like, people knew that I was also doing the same thing. And obviously, like, looking back at it, I have... I truly don't have any hard feelings against anybody because like at the end of the day every like within the music community everybody's trying to make it in music and I feel like I didn't understand that at that time and I also just didn't have the the understanding of like like when it when it's your time to do something it's your time to do something but yeah the I dang I haven't really even thought about that in a while damn it is now your time dang that's a really good question <laughs> That's a really good question. I don't really even know. I think, honestly, I feel like sometimes, even now, like, sometimes I have to feel like I have to underrate myself to push myself higher. I think it's, like, kind of like a hyping thing in my head. It's just like, yo, like, always feeling like the underdog to push myself to, to reach something higher. I think it's honestly... Now that I think about it, going back, damn, I feel like I'm in therapy right now. <laughs> going back to it, like my mindset, it was just like humbling myself and like downgrading myself to like fully upgrade. Because even now, like I'll do a show, right? And people will say I killed it or whatever. Like I'll get a great reaction from a crowd. And then as soon as I walk into the green room, I'm already critiquing how like I should have did something better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it's actually really interesting. You mentioned that it it like maybe this is a form of like self-protection because by always thinking of yourself as the underdog you might never be disappointed by what's not coming right 
I don't know. At least that's that's my quick interpretation of of what you just mentioned. Um, nah, yeah, yo, no, thank you for asking that. Like, I didn't really, I've never really reflected back on on that time of like why I even said that. Dang, I got to do some soul searching. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's cool, man. I, I, if if that if that uh, if that does something, if that creates some thinking, that's always that's always good, you know. But yeah, I mean, I have to say, like, I, I, you know, you, ha you are an artist that cherishes every single step and every, every new achievement, every new follower, every new stream. I really think that that's so great because you can really see the growth that you've been through over the last years. This whole journey, basically, you know, performing shows in the U.S. and releasing really all this incredible, uh, this all this incredible music that wouldn't have been if you hadn't picked up a pen. I think at like year 12 years old, so fairly young, where you started writing your first, your first lyrics. Can you take me back to that day and what made you decide to pick up that pen and, and write songs? I honestly, like, I only wrote that one rap when I was 12. I didn't really start getting into rapping until after I was like done like playing football when I was like 15. But for my first rap ever, when I was 12, I, I don't even know what I was think doing like i feel like i was like, just like a super creative kid like i even did i did like tap dancing i did african drumming like i was in the choir i did a whole bunch of stuff like that played drums all different instruments so like when i wrote my first rap i i don't even really know what like compelled me to do it i just more so just like sat down in my in my parents dining room and i was at the top of the table i had this composition notebook opened And I just started writing a rap. It was really, like, really just didn't really think too much about it. I wrote it, put the book away, and just went from there. And then I came back a few years later and looked at that book again and just started writing more into it and was writing more raps. Uh, it just kind of felt, like, natural. There really was no, I want to be a rapper. Mm -hmm. It was just, like, I just want to write something. And I, and I started writing. I think I was even writing, like, poems and stuff from, like, from what I remember, but it's kind of like, kind of fuzzy in that area. And then at some point you decide to, to, to build your own setup of, of speakers and, and the phone, and then you freestyle over most Def's mathematics. That's, where do you take that from there? So, I mean, that's, that's a pretty serious step because you're recording your first, your, your first track basically to upload it on, on SoundCloud. I think you, you even, you, you, you've shared it. Yep. Yeah, there was, like, when SoundCloud, like, kind of, like, first came out, there was a voice memo recording on the app, and that's before I didn't have a microphone, didn't have an interface, no nothing. I was sitting in my, like, the little office area that my that my parents had, and I would take the phone, put two desktop speakers, and now thinking about it, like, the phone is, like, mono anyway, so it's not going to be stereo, <laughs> but, like, I would take both of the speakers and put them on both sides, and then, like, I would practice my verse over and over again off the Mathematic Beast because, like, obviously I couldn't stop and then record, stop and record. Like, I had to record the full record, and I was doing that for a few songs that I had before, like, my dad noticed that I was recording, and then, like, for, like, my birthday or whatever, like, he gifted me, like, a super small setup. But yeah, like I was just like every day I was just in the office pressing record on the SoundCloud memo and just like recording a verse. And then I would go to school, show everybody the song, <laughs> like anybody that wanted to listen or like, yo, check out this song that I made or da da da, all that stuff. So how was the feedback back then? Like what, what do people tell you when you show them these songs? 
Some people said it was trash. Some people liked it. It didn't really matter to me. Like, I was just going. So, and then there was, like, actually people that, like, liked it. Because when I was in high school, like, there was this thing at the school that I was going to at the time, at the senior circle, like, me and my, me and my homie Kamal, we was in the senior circle just, like, making, like, these funny, silly cypher raps to the point where, like, we were having, like, a good crowd, like, around us, like, every lunch period. Like, people was, like, looking forward to it. And then people, I noticed that people was actually liking what I was saying, like, just the, probably, like, the most, like, simplest shit that was coming off the top of my head at that at that time. It got so popular to the point, like, during our lunchtime that our teachers and the dean of students literally put papers across, like, the whole school saying, like, no more ciphers. And, like, so that's kind of, like, how, like, when I really started getting into it and, like, seeing people's reactions and also just hearing my voice rapping on like the soundcloud memos like i just really liked it and like i just wanted to get better like it wasn't even like oh i need to get better like i was just like i really like doing this it's like this i was like it wasn't like oh i want to be a rapper it was just like i like doing this for a while like it was just a hobby like i was just doing it over and over and over and over again like that was the only thing that like really consumed me honestly to this day truthfully yeah <laughs> but, but what i found so interesting is you and you just mentioned that your you know your your other passion was playing football at the time and and from what i know you it it, it was actually pretty serious like you could have considered building a career as an athlete when you're so young and you have these different passions how do you choose one thing over the other well when i first felt my first real injury in football that's when i was like yeah i'm good <laughs> Like I had a got I got blindsided when a play was over, like the whistle was blown and everything. And I fell on my lower back and it pretty much I was just like, yo, this is painful. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is what people have to endure like as they go. Because like I didn't even want to go to the NFL. I just wanted to play D1 football. That was like really my goal for a while. But then like there was just certain instances that happened like in my family life. I was starting to get invited to football camps. I was getting invited to do certain things. Like, my parents just didn't want to allow me to go. So that kind of, like, I feel like that somewhat deterred me a little bit to, like, try to advance to the next level of football. And then when I started, like, discovering more about rap music and, and finding the music that I love, like, that was something that was just, like, didn't really take a lot of money to do. I could just find a beat off YouTube and, 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 and progress in that and It just went from there. But just, like, finding passions. Like, I was always an adventurous kid, though. Like, I mm. used to, I played chess tournaments all throughout middle school. Like I said, like, I tap dance. I, I, I did African drumming. I was just, I, I, I even wanted to skateboard. Honestly, I wish, like, I was more into skateboarding than football. I feel like, I, I wish I put more time into that, like, when I was younger. But, and I still love skateboard culture. But, mm. like, it was just, like, just, like, trying things out and, And seeing how good I can get, and is this something that I see myself doing for the rest of my life? I feel and and but eventually you did go with the career in rap, and 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 you're fully living it. Was was there was that risky for you? And but maybe, no, let's maybe start with another question. When was the moment when you knew that rap was going to be a career for you? I would say, I would say probably like my sophomore year of college, when I changed my name to Malik Elijah. That's when I knew it was serious because I was going to school for audio engineering and I wanted to be a mix engineer. And that's like kind of like where I was going to go into my field. And then I was starting to figure out that I didn't enjoy mixing as much as I thought I was going to and like recording other people like I was just found myself like 
trying to do a show at my school or finding that more and more people was liking my music. And I just felt kind of like fell into like deciding, hey, I want to be an artist. And I don't know. And I'm not going to lie. I like the aspect of being the star. I like the aspect of step, stepping on a stage and people knowing the words to your music and people in performing for people and and people reciting your your words back to you. I just I just found more of a passion and more of a drive and more of an interest in that than than I ever did like doing audio engineering. Obviously, I still utilize those skills whenever need be, but yeah, that's that's when I really started diving in and it's just like I want to be an artist and I knew, but I also made the conscious decision knowing that how long it actually takes. Mm. I've been doing this since 2017. I just got to the point where I'm doing consistent shows maybe about a year and a half ago. That took me to that point where it's like, okay, I'm only getting five plays on SoundCloud. And now it's like, oh, I'm getting this amount of millions of streams four years later. So I knew it was going to take time. Now I'm at a point where it's like, oh, it's finally happening. But now it's like, oh, I have to look at everything and be like, okay, how do I want to make my, how do I want to separate myself? How do I want to show who I am? So, like, I'm now in the process of, oh, I'm actually an artist now. What can I do to get to the next level type, type of vibe? So, You know what's interesting is always this, like, I, I feel like a lot of people that have such a strong passion for something, they also decide to just go all in with the music and not really pursue other kinds of passions or careers or go to university. Did you, you know, because you mentioned your sophomore year and you mentioned university, was that to get an extra sense of security in case something was not going to work out um, with regards to your rap career? Uh, no, not really. I utilize, I utilize education in a different way. I utilize my education for myself and to have information for myself. Like even certain jobs that I've worked, like I've worked multiple different concert jobs. I've done stage handing. I've done audio visual. I've sold merch just so I could learn the ins and outs of how that is as when I'm an artist and the people that I pick to be on my team. I learned audio engineering so now I can go into any studio and be able to actually sh share my ideas to my engineer and be like, this is how I want my audio to sound. Mm. And I know how I want my audio to sound because I know how to explain that in a way that an engineer is going to understand. And even just with like, like right now, I delivery drive for a day job and I utilize all the areas that I've delivery driven in. Like some of my music videos that I put out, the reason I knew those areas to shoot at is because of delivery <laughs> driving. So I kind of awesome. utilize everything as something to understand, yeah. like knowing layouts of the land and everything like that. Like even now I book my own shows. I am taking that experience of how I know how to book my own shows. So when I do have a booking agent, I know who's going to bullshit me and who's mm -hmm. actually knows what they're doing. So. I just take everything with a, I, I don't even know if that's the right term. I just take everything that I learned and utilize that and apply to myself because I know that will help advance me in the long run. And I think it's, it's awesome that you mentioned, you know, the fact that you, you, you take care of your own, you know, the booking of your own shows. Just, just real quick for people that, you know, might be listening to this podcast who, 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 who are striving to build a career in music. Is there any particular advice that you have when it comes to performing at venues and organizing that? Is there any key things to move by 
when you want to perform live as an independent artist? My thing is, everybody's journey is different. Like, even for instance, Tizo Touchdown skipped a lot of steps and he's doing arenas. <laughs> you that's know what true. I'm saying? But for anybody that's like at somewhere in my level and, and see where I did, I just got to doing stages. I was doing DIY venues. I was on the same ground level as everybody else that was watching me perform. I found different areas to perform at regardless if it was a stage or not. I started off DIY. There was no engineer. We was mixing the the vocals ourselves. There was no producer to tell us, oh, go on stage. I just got to that point a year from later. The thing is, if you want to perform, Go to an open mic. Try to find people that you get uh, that that are putting on shows. Because usually, if you're on at an open mic, you're gonna find people that put on shows. Do those shows as much as you can. Obviously, don't exhaust yourself, but use that to get to to use that for repetition and practice. Like you're gonna perform in front of five people before you perform in front of five hundred. You know what I'm saying? That's just how it goes. Unless you're one of the the the, the, the people that skip yeah, steps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How was it for you, the first performances? Because I, I saw a lot of your performances, at least in, in video form, and you have such a natural stage presence. Has, was that always like that? I feel like it because I, I came up in the church, so like I was already, already used to like performing on stages, but obviously I was performing in groups. But now it's like performing by myself. What people don't know is... I was, I'm also in this room that I'm sitting in right now, just performing in front of a wall days in and days out before I even got to the point that I was performing in front of people, even before like an open mic. So like, I also, on top of rehearsing, I study concerts. I don't really watch a lot of TV. I watch concerts. <laughs> I go to concerts all the time. Like it's to the point where concerts are consuming my life. I'm going, like, I was just at a concert, like, a few days ago. I truthfully study all the time. I've studied everybody from J. Cole to Billie Eilish, Red Hot Chili Peppers, anybody that performs and I feel like performs well, I study and I watch how they do that. Can you name a couple of specific elements that you observe in these performances? What do you look for? I observe how much an artist talks while they're performing. I observe um, transitioning. I observe how much they move and when they don't move. I observe their call and responses. I observe lighting, stage lighting, stage setup. Uh, observe if, like like if if any artist like does an interlude. Like I've really found this like very interesting. I saw Tame me and my girl saw uh, Tame Impala perform. And he had this stage interlude where, like, it dropped, like, this lighting fixture dropped down. And it made, like, this super loud, like, loud, kind of obnoxious noise. But it was really cool, too, though. Like, it looked like an alien spaceship, like, just shooting out. And it was, like, for, like, maybe, like, two minutes, three minutes. But, like, I in my head, I'm thinking, like, hmm, maybe he's going to, like, take a break. Like, he might be changing his clothes because he's sweaty or something. He might be taking a drink so he can come back and perform for, like, the next, like, 45 to 50 minutes. So, like, I always look at that, like what artists are doing to like not tire themselves out like while they're performing because truthfully if you're obviously if you're a solo performer and you're not like with a band usually with a band you're usually just standing there and you're doing it but like when you're like me i have to be able to cover ground of like a whole stage and make sure that i'm showing love to the left side make sure i'm showing love to the right side making sure i'm i'm pointing out to the people at the top of this uh, top that like people usually don't notice or people that are dead in the middle like i want to make sure that 
uh, I'm giving attention to to everybody. So those are the aspects that I study, like when I watch. Shows. What's something that you've quickly learned not to do anymore with the the more you performed? Are there like any any clear things that you where you were like, okay, I need to change that? Like, what's something to look out for when you start performing? Not talk a lot. That's the one thing. Like, I, as my performances progress, just with my performance style, I'm not talking a lot anymore. I might shout out the city. Uh, and if I do do any, like, monologue talking, like, I wait towards the end, like, towards, like, my second to last, just to, like, thank the crowd for, like, showing love, letting them know what my name is. Obviously, I do an introduction of my name in the beginning as well. But, yeah, I don't really, I don't really talk too much. I just let the music speak for yourself because... Um, and, and shout out, shout out to my girlfriend. She's the one that gives me the most, like, she's, she's the one, she is the person that when she sees my show, she lets me know like what it is. Like, she's like, you talk too much right there. You should have just kept going with the show or you should have did this. And like, she also helps me analyze as well. So it's like, obviously everybody's show is different, but I know for me, like, I want my music to talk. I'm not that good with like making jokes. If I try too hard, it's not going to be funny. <laughs> and like, I just, I just, just try to just show my music. because that's what people are there for. And I don't want to lose attention, especially like now that I'm, I am an up and coming artist. So like I have to do everything in my power to, to keep a crowd's attention for the amount of time that I'm on stage. Do you have a favorite song to perform? Favorite song of yours? Hmm. I would say I love to perform. I'll give you three. I love to perform brand new because that usually gets people like super hype. I love to perform own lane because people really like the like the the bar aspect from that song. Nigga swagger jack just to get some clout Improving my posture, I catch it when I slouch Smoking on the indica, but I'm not in the couch I'm out here working, hustling the right around And summer breaks on the Malibu hills Santa Monica to Hollywood, we got it all on film I need a Hollywood star now, I'm a star now I'm a star child, check the stars, I'm a far now I'm the part now, I got a Tiger Woods 1997 swing Babbage on my Beat the yeah. pussy, but ain't, but ain't. That's a yeah. break the frame, joy. Let's fill the void right quick. Now I'm less irritated, less annoyed, like shit. And like shit, I'm the one, not the two, not the three. And like shit, I'm the one, not the two, not the three. Like shit, I'm the one, not the two, not the three. Not the two, not the three. Not the two, not the three. I'll never surrender the possibilities, it's endless. Feeling stupendous, know the glow, make a feel offended. My life not caught up in no daily superstition. I live with faith, what the fuck with I need superstition Horsepower on piss, then I laugh when I piss them off These rappers rhymes with shaman's off We in a different category, nigga Penthouse story, nigga Ain't no need to worry, man I'm not here for fast game This not for the fast lane This was Malik's song, Own Lane And now back to the interview And I would probably say my, my new favorite song The song that's not out yet, but I'll say the title It's called Tricks And I like how the crowd likes that song as well performing that and then honestly honorable mention i love performing lighter flick now too because lighter flick that's something new like I, i love performing the new newer records do you feel like the more you've performed the more when you're in the studio recording you think about creating songs that would make a great life take hell yeah my thing is i'm not just trying like obviously there are people that just want to be in the studio but for me 
I'm making music to go perform. I'm making music that I want to tour with. I'm making music that I want to do a festival with. So I'm constantly chasing that quality of music to perform on a stage, as well as make good music for people to listen to in their ears every day as well. That is, that's how I go about it. I do think about that because you got to think of, you honestly, like performing gives you a greater perspective of how you should make your music because you're going to think about, yo, am I saying too many words that I'll lose my breath on stage or something like that? Obviously, those are like subconscious mm. things. They're not super like conscious, like when I'm making the music, but it definitely does help for a perspective when you are performing. And I mean, you've performed at pretty legendary venues. I mean, SOBs is one of them. You've recently opened up for Freddie Gibbs. I have two questions with regards to that. How do you think in, in let's say, a more established artist, you know, without you know you're you're already a very established artist no question but someone like freddie gibbs asking you to open up for him what does that do to your career do you feel that in terms of new streams new people following you listening tuning into your music how what impact does that kind of invite have to perform before freddie gibbs so when you when you open up for an artist like a freddie gibbs you That is when all the practice of the open mics and the DIY shows come into play, because this is your moment where you're in front of more people that you could bring out yourself. I'm pretty sure when I did the Freddie Gibbs shows between like anywhere between like five to seven hundred people that was there right in front of my face at the time when my set was on. If you if you perform to the ability that you know you are, because I knew I was going to perform to the ability that I knew I was because I prepared for it. So when I'm on that stage, I'm commanding that attention from a crowd. I don't care if it's five. I don't care if it's a thousand. I'm going to command that energy. Obviously, not everybody's going to like what you're doing, but there's a possibility at least 20% is going to like what you're doing. So you need to take that opportunity to do the best fucking show that you ever can, because that could possibly be the meaning of your next, your newest 50 fans that show interest, your newest 100 fans. When I walked off stage... And I wiped the sweat off my face or whatever. And I looked at my phone and I saw Instagram. I had 100 new followers when I walked. And then obviously, since no, since like I'm not a Freddie Gibbs yet, I'm still allowed to walk around the crowd or whatever without causing a frenzy. So I walked through the crowd. I talked to people that enjoyed my show. People showing me like even before I left the stage, a kid literally pointed his Spotify in front of my face and said, I followed you. You know what I'm saying? Like walking around the crowd, people are like, yo, I subscribe to you on YouTube. Yo, I followed you on yeah, Instagram. All this stuff. So it's like doing shows like that is a great opportunity. Obviously, at this level, I'm not always going to be doing those big shows. But but when I do, I'm going to make the best of it. I'm going to treat it the same way I did when I was performing in front of 30. It never changes. The energy never changes. But there is a greater opportunity when you're doing something big like that. And how does that happen that Freddie Gibbs or an artist like Freddie Gibbs checks out your music and says, I want Malik to, to open up for me. So I'll say it like this. I didn't talk to Freddie Gibbs team at all. That's what people think that the artist is the one that's picking you out. I just don't want to fake the funk. Like, Oh yeah, Freddie fucks with me. Da 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 da. Cause if so, I'd be on the whole tour. <laughs> I feel, but, um, uh, I just reach out to as many, I just try to find companies. I try to reach out to talent buyers and whatever type of connection that I have or friendships that I've developed with people 
to be like, hey, is it a possibility if, like, I could get an email to try to get on this show? Sometimes they'll say no. Sometimes they'll say yes. But the thing is, you should never reach out for something like that unless you have the credibility for it and if you are also prepared for it. Because there is no point for you to step on a stage and not have a set ready. Obviously, you're never going to be ready for any sort of opportunity like that because it's new to you. But it, you don't want to, you don't want to mess up, or excuse me, fuck up a, a opportunity because somebody gave it to you, but you did not handle it the way because you don't understand how to handle it. So a lot of people see that big stage and they're like, "Oh, I need to get on that big stage." But truthfully, do you do you know what to do when you are on that big stage? Obviously, you're not going to know until you find out, but you need to have some sort of preparedness before you go there. Because at that point, if you fucked up, you lost your credibility, you lost your connection, you lost anything to, to do it again. And another thing I will say is make sure when you're on when you're doing shows like this, make sure you're on time. Make sure you're communicating. Make sure you're nice to the engineer. Make sure you're nice to the lighting people, because those are the people that's going to make your show sound even better, look even better. If people, if you're not showing professionalism and nice to people at this level, then nobody's going to fuck with you when you're at the top. It's just the truth. If you're an asshole, no one's going to like you. No one's going to want to work with you. So at first, don't try to have some almighty complex. Be grateful for where you're at <laughs> and just, and just take the opportunity as it is and be grateful. Cause nobody really, no, even doing that Freddie Gibbs show, they could have just told me, told me to kick rocks. <laughs> Like I didn't, I did, it could have been anybody on that stage, but it just so happened to be me. So I'm going to be grateful and I'm going to make sure I'm also thanking everybody that's helping with the show. Did you have any, any connection with Freddie at all? Like any conversation before, or after the show? The, the only, the only interaction I had with him was 20 minutes before his set. I walked out into the back and he, his manager and DJ were walking to their green room and I could tell he was like, he was, I'm pretty sure he was fried because like he, he was behind my DJ and then he kind of looked like with like this, this funny smirk. And then, <laughs> and then he like sh pointed, put his hand out, shook my DJ's hand and then shook mine. But like overall, like it was an, it's not like he didn't acknowledge us. Like he was like, oh, I'm Freddie Gibbs. So like, I don't got to say hi to these people. Like he still said hi to us, but like, that's the most interaction you're going to get. Like, I don't try to be in the artist's face like that. Cause truthfully, Freddie Gibbs is trying to get to the next level. You know what I'm saying? He's trying to get to the next level himself. Talking to the to the artist can only like can get you so so far. I'm the type of person I like to talk to the manager. I like to talk to the DJ. I like to talk to the photographer. I like to talk to the people around them because those are the people that you possibly have way more access mm -hmm. with. Like I talk to Freddie Gibbs DJ more than I talk to Freddie Gibbs, which is completely fine. I'm not looking here to be like, oh, I'm open up for Freddie Gibbs, so I'm gonna try to be his yeah, best friend. I, that nah, doesn't really yeah. matter to me. We're we're here for a job yeah. at the end of like we're here to do a job at the end of the day. So I don't try to do too many interactions. Obviously, if Freddie Gibbs came up to me and like wanted to have a conversation with me, I'd talk to him. Because like this is somebody I've been listening to since like I think senior year of high school. So it's a blessing to be able to open up for him, but I'm not going to sit here and bombard him with, with a conversation that, cause he has to focus on performing for an hour and a half in front of 900 people, yeah. <laughs> you know? So like, I try not to, I try not to bother. Too I, much. I, I get it. I think also, I think it's a, it's the yeah. right attitude to have for sure. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, from what I, from what I hear and also saw, at least on the footage is that you, 
you did a good job, the crowd was feeling you. And that, that I think gives you as an artist, maybe also like, especially performing in front of a bigger crowd and another boost of confidence to keep going. I know that with, with the things that we sometimes do, you know, whatever we do when we're creative with something, we might not always have this confidence. And I think that around the time you recorded your song, Serve, you were kind of wondering what this was all for and which way this was going to which way this was going to go for you in terms of a career but then you know I, i i know that kenny beats tweeted about your song because you you dropped the cave in 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 that song and and then it eventually became one of your most streamed tracks you know it has millions of streams as a first question maybe what keeps you going in these moments when you're in doubt can you is there a way for you to describe that what keeps me going is truthfully just I love making music. I would do this if I wasn't making any money off of it. I still don't make a lot of money from it. I do it because it's the one thing that just brings me happiness. Being able to step on a stage brings me happiness. Being able to study music and listen to music brings me happiness. It's just something that I've always loved to do, even before I wanted to be an artist like I just have always gravitated towards music it makes me feel something it makes me it inspires me it, it keeps me going at times and it's just like I'm always a person that's not stagnant obviously there's going to be times of doubt that I have and I had shit I had a doubt like I had some doubts like two days ago and then I got booked for a show <laughs> so it's just like you know have like you know you sometimes that that stuff comes with it but I just keep going regardless. Even like I've I've gone I've kept going even through depressive states. When I made Serve, I was depressed, like so depressed. I was just like I want to make a fun song because I'm sad, and it just so happened to be that one song that people gravitated towards. And Kenny Beats had posted it, which I'm super thankful for. I'm hopefully one day I can I can meet him in person and actually thank him because like truthfully that was a turning point when I was like yo like. Yes, I am supposed to be doing this. This was a confirmation. And then, like, you'll have, like, those mini confirmations. When I opened up for Earth Gang, that was another confirmation. When, like, when I did SOBs, that was another confirmation. Opening up for Freddie Gibbs, that was another confirmation. Um, uh, selling out a show with my homie Ken Rose, that was another confirmation. So it's like, obviously, those little nuances keep you going or those little wins. But you have to be able to push through your doubts if you really care about something. Because at the end of the day, you're always going to have doubts. There's always going to be negative thoughts. There's always going to there's always gonna be times shit happening in your life. But if this is something that you actually want, you have to just keep going and going and go to get it. I'm just a persistent person. I'm very persistent. If I if, if I got one no, I know that if I if I get a no from something, I know I'm going to try to go find a yes for something else. Like it just it is what it is. You can't let it deter you. <laughs> Life was sheltered growing up, I had to shake the order. 
convictions as a Christian held me back, but I had to let that go. Risky decisions see my vision, even though that I know they don't. Pouring words just to heal the soul. Pouring faith even when I'm low. Pray with favor, let the blessings flow. I know we all need some more. Overflow for the overload. We put these stories in concrete time lapse and watch the rose grow. Remember getting bullied back in 04. I am not going back to that. 50 Drake with the back to back. 2442 back to back. Home run. Coming back home once I know some. More than I learned, yeah, I know none. More than I learned, yeah, I know. Yeah. Coming back home with a home run. 2442 feeling like Ken Griffey and Jaggy. Yeah, yeah. This was Malik's song, Worst Enemy. And now back to the interview. And with regards to, because, you know, I've talked to a bunch of artists and some of them, they're, they're still, you know, they haven't had one single song that hit a million. Some of them haven't even hit mm -hmm. like 5,000. So this million stream thing is, is kind of like one big milestone for many, I think. I'm wondering, you know, I know that there's a lot of factors that play into getting to those streaming numbers. Like it depends on how long the song has been uploaded and you know, is there some some kind of viral thing that happens with artists posting it on their page and stuff like that? But do you try also to sonically understand why certain songs are much much more streamed than others? I've had those conversations with my team. It's nothing that you really can like stuff like that when that happens, there's nothing that you really can plan for or understand. Obviously, you can try to replicate it, but Trying to replicate it is like trying to just chase the lottery over and over again, which I'm not for. I'm going to put out the music that feels good to me and that I feel like people will like, and if not, back to the drawing board. There's no, obviously there's a formula, but I'm not the type of person to stick with a formula. I'm just going to make the music that I like. So, you know, when Don't Play hit a million, I, I didn't know Don't Play was going to hit a million. I barely even liked the song <laughs> when I first made it. Like, I didn't know Sir was going to hit a million. It just so happened that Kenny Beats had posted it and people actually really fucked with it. Like, just it is what it is. Like, I know for a fact those aren't my last two songs that are going to hit a mil. But, like, I'm also not concerned about when another song is going to hit a million either. It's just, like, when I put the records out, are people gravitating towards it? Do people do people like it? Are people sharing it? Do people enjoy it? And that that's enough for me. Is that success for you? Like how, because you mentioned so many different things, you know, all the little, the, the, the many milestones that you've, that you've achieved over the last years, um, you've listed a bunch of them. How do you define success for yourself? What is success when it comes to your music? Honestly, success for me is when I can tour in a random city in Wyoming or some random state in Idaho or a country in Europe that I've I've never even been to Europe. So if I can go to Europe and say I'm doing a show and a few hundred people show up, I feel like for me that that's success to me. Because like I can connect with somebody that I've never met in person, but they know every word to my song. That is what I want pretty, pretty much. So yeah, that's, that's what I deem as success. It's not a Grammy anymore i used to think that a grammy was something that means success obviously on a mainstream level it does but for me if i can be able to feed myself feed my family be comfortable be able to go to any country that i want on a vacation or for a tour then for me that is success and do you have your next milestone in mind already like is this something that you think about the next thing that you want to achieve 
I want to I want to I want to support somebody on their tour. I want to support a bigger artist on their their full tour, whether that be a European or tour or a U.S. tour or both. I want to do that wholeheartedly because I know that I'm built for it and I know that I can do it. Any artists in mind that that you would like to support on their tour? It don't even matter. Whichever artist that shows me love, I'm completely fine with and completely content because you never know when that opportunity is going to come again. It, it literally could be anybody. It don't matter to me. <laughs> I'm going to just perform. Yeah, but you, you might still have your favorites, right? You might still have like your dreams and aspirations of like, oh, I'd love to. Oh, yeah. No, nah, most definitely. Hmm. Let's see if I could tour with anybody. Obviously, Mick Jenkins. He's one of dope. my favorites ever. Very dope. A high dream one would definitely be Kendrick. I would love, love to be on a Kendrick Lamar tour. I'll do, I'll do like a few more. Baby Keem would be cool. I would love the to tour, Baby Keem. Hmm. If Buddy ever does like a U.S. tour, I would love to tour with Buddy. That would be cool. And then let's see. T Pain. <laughs> Yo, if T Pain hit me up for a tour, I'd be down. That would be lit. <laughs> No, I know you got you got a lot of love for T Pain. I mean, T Pain is is legendary. T Pain, yeah, nah. T Pain is like one of the first like artists I discovered of like like hip hop, hip hop. Like when I saw him and Kanye put a good life out on two that in two thousand eight, I was like, yeah, this joint is lit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I I totally feel you on that one. Hey, one thing that I I I like to ask artists a lot in these interviews is what other unsigned hypes i should interview next other independent artists that you think are still flying way too much under the radar maybe you have one or two that that you want to talk about well one that 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 i've kept hearing about and keep seeing and and is soul child she just put out a project today actually that i'm going to listen to after this interview and hmm i'll say the homie wakai Wakai would be somebody because he I I was I was on his album and it's a really good album and he's about to go on tour and I still feel like he's also underrated but people are are catching on to him as well. Mm, Ken Rose, that's the homie, and my name is in J Mac. Yep, perfect. Those are the few I would say. Nice. And there's obviously more people that I that I do like, but those are the ones that popped up in my head right at the moment. <laughs> All good. Yeah, I'll make sure to add them to the to the podcast playlist, a couple of songs. People can check them out for sure. If there's something that you wish you would have known about the music industry prior to becoming a part of it, what would that be? Honestly, I'd probably go back to like when we were talking about Critters by the Window, knowing that everybody has 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 their time and being patient is the one thing that will help help you in in your times of, of doubt. That's what I was saying. All right. We're getting into the my, the last couple of questions. Maybe, you know, and you've, we've been talking about this a little bit when we were talking about performing live and stuff like that. But to artists that are really just, who might have never put out a song even, who are really thinking about it and who believe they have to, the talent to to start a career in music, what's some advice that you would, would give to to them? Don't focus on streams. Don't focus on accolades. Just make the music to make the music. Just have fun with making music and, and just trying to get better first before you chase anything else. If it's not about the music first, 
then you'll get lost. And being lost is not fun. <laughs> just just love making the music. Yeah, my final question would be, um, when do you open your amusement park? When is that happening? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, the, hey man, the... the <laughs> that's great yo oh my god you really researched oh that's lit um honestly man hopefully by the time i'm 40 that would be great i just, that's still one of my biggest dreams i really want to have an amusement park based all around like music and just some really dope roller coasters i got a lot of dope <laughs> roller coaster ideas can you describe one yo there was like you know like those roller coasters in spy kids like when they were like like the roller coaster like stops <laughs> like like the roller coaster like stops and then it hops onto another one like i want to do something like that but in like a safe way <laughs> maybe like i don't know like if it if it rises up and then it's like grabbed by like robotic hands and then it drops back <laughs> down into another drop like that would be lit i feel like by the time i'm 40 future like the future would be able to do that in the most safest way i hope so i also feel like yeah bro i also feel like there should be like some sort of like protection on the bottom of a roller coaster like if it if it if it fails like i feel like we need that <laughs> yeah yeah agreed agreed mm -hmm. no but I, actually this wasn't my my final final question the 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 final question i like to ask artists and you've already touched upon this a little bit but with all these ups and downs that we've talked about and all the things that you went through also i mean obviously lots of milestones and lots of positive things and building a career and getting better and bigger every day. What do you do this all for? I, I, just, I do this for myself, man. And not just even myself now. There's so many people that believe in me to the point where it's becoming bigger than me that I want to make sure that their efforts of supporting me don't go to waste. My efforts of, of pushing in this music don't go to waste. And Yeah, that's that's really what moves me and what motivates me. Yeah. Thank you, man. I really I really appreciate you taking the time. Really appreciate this conversation. Yeah, thank you so much. Nah, thank you for having me, man. This was a really great interview. You made me made me think about a lot of things that I haven't really thought about, so I appreciate it. Real loud right now. No Reggie over here. It's that bling blow. Let that ring sound. This was Unsigned Hype episode 12 with Malik Elijah. The track you're hearing right now is Malik's song Fried. You will find the song in the Unsigned Hype podcast playlist along with all other songs discussed in this episode. Make sure to support Malik by checking out his music and following him on social media. And for your weekly Unsigned Hype, make sure to also follow us on Spotify and Instagram. All the links are in the show notes below. Yeah.